Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you are listening to the Church Planner Podcast, and we're about ready to enter a little time we like to call Smack Talk. Smacking, smacking those babies. So I got a story for you. Yesterday, I dropped my son off at church and immediately head over to the bar, because that's what I do when my son goes to church. Now, this was not Sunday. No, no. This no. was uh, this was Wednesday night church, and right. uh, there's a little pizza joint right by the church. I I actually don't like their food, and so I kind of hate going there. But I haven't found anywhere else to go hang out while my son's in in kids church. So I go over there. They know me now, right? Because I go in there like every Wednesday, and you know me. I'm hey, not it's the Wednesday guy. I'm not a very social person, right? No. I, I don't like talking to people. Like no, I you're, underst- a, you're a tear in my beer kind of uh, social guy. I understand the whole purpose of going to a bar is because people like to talk to each other. It's not me, though. So I go with my iPad Pro, biggest iPad there is, set it in front of me, and I'm clearly engulfed in my iPad. That's my don't talk to me. I'm involved with my iPad. Let me drink my beer, eat my pizza, read my iPad. <laughs> So there's this guy sitting next to me, and I think he's talked to me before. I you think. know you're attractive, though, to men at bars. I'm just don't don't go there because I think this guy was that way. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden he starts talking to me, and the the waitress, barkeep, whatever you want to call her, I have no idea. Right? She's apparently got like two parakeets, and he's like, "Hey, look at her parakeets," and he's got her phone and. 
I'm like, okay, it's a parakeet. <laughs> Let me get back to my iPad, bro. You know, why, why are you talking to me? And then he starts talking. Wait, did you say he has a parakeet? No, no, no. It was oh. the barkeeps, the, the waitress, oh. whatever you want to call her. It was her parakeets. And he was like, look at the pictures. And he starts talking about animals. And I'm like, hey, hey, you know, just like doing the head. Nod. Okay, you know, stop yeah. talking to me, dude. I, I, don't, I don't like talking to people. Yeah. And, and then he goes, yeah, you know. I had this, uh, uh, my, my, my pet died last year. I had my cat for 20 years. Oh no. I literally look him right in the eyes and I go, yeah, but it was a cat. <laughs> I like turned back to my iPad. It was like, dude, it's a cat. I don't care that your cat died. That is the best pickup shutdown ever. <laughs> And you want some sympathy? Yeah, it was just a cat. It's I, a cat. I know that you were like, if if there were like breaking the fourth wall right there, you look at the camera and be like, that was for you, Peyton. <laughs> <laughs> Thumbs up. Lean on the teeth. Oh, my gosh, dude. And then if it, you're new here, you know, you've probably got uh, the high. I'm new here. Name tag on. And you don't understand what an inside joke that is. Pete and I. Ah, uh, yes. You got to go back about twenty episodes, probably. Probably it was when I had to put my dog down. I I couldn't drive home. I'm a wreck. This was my dog. I just put her down, and I'm like on the phone with Peyton, and he's having what we have commonly referred to as the Wind River moment. Right? This is what a true <laughs> friend is. And he's just like listening to me. Like when we first got on the phone, I couldn't talk. Like I literally, there was like long pauses, minute long, because I was so choked up. And so Peyton's like, Hey man, I totally know what it's like, man. And, and you know, my cat, when it died, you know, I couldn't even stay living in that house anymore. And and he's like trying to like sympathize with me. And I have what alcoholics refer to as a moment of clarity. And I simply said to him, yeah. But it's a cat. <laughs> That's so rad, dude. That is so rad. Oh, my gosh, wow. dude. Oh. I had funny stories, but I forgot them. <laughs> I involved Barry, who hung out with me the other day. Oh, yeah? Is he and, back? Uh, back from I can't remember Yosemite? any funny stories. Yeah. I have no smack. I'm smackless. You, you've got no smack talk at all? Dude, well, I'm going to read part of some texts between you and me because I thought these were funny, too. These (laughs) had me laughing so hard I was in tears. I literally saved that screenshot of the one. I think you can read it. I am. I got to find it here. Let's see. Oh, yep. There it is. Okay, so I'm going to read part of Peyton's text to me because part of it needs to be edited out. Uh, I think I need to head to Europe this next couple of days. My Welsh father just went to home, uh, went to be home with Jesus. Been a heck of a year. He was like my dad, one of the best friends on the planet, a mentor. Now there's nobody really else, uh, nobody really to lose in this category except for you and this other guy. But this other guy is kind of funny, and you better stick around, pal. <laughs> right? That's, that's what you said. To I'm me. like the other guy's gonna probably die. Is he just well? I just, I didn't want to. I didn't. I, I didn't want to say exactly what you said there. So that was the part that I edited <laughs> out. And then so I text back, "Screw you! I'm out of here." And then immediately following, "Sorry, wrong person." And then that was for Jamie, which 
<laughs> which, which is, is my is wife. Fun. And I was like in tears. You know, it's the Wind River moment. Never have a Wind oh, River God. moment with Pete. Because here's how he's going to respond to your Wind River moment. Hey, so I know funny, your man. your heart is on the ground. It is bleeding. <laughs> and Pete just comes along and just says, hey, looks like there's a heart on the ground. Let's go ahead and stomp on that sucker a few times. Oh, my gosh, dude. Man, I tell you what, and I think I texted back, you're you're both the best and the worst friend. You did. Because I need to laugh, man, because – Here's the thing is it, it it's so good, man, because that's what helps me. What helps me is laughing. Um, I don't need what I what I can't handle. And, and maybe I do got some smack because what what I can't handle is when um, you tell someone they're like, hey, but, you know, he's in a better place and all that. And, you know, death, you know, it's got no sting. And I'm like, OK, um, clearly. You've read one passage, built an entire theology of death around it. Sir, the, the next time I hear a Christian mention the circle of life, I, I think I want to vomit. Here's the deal, guys. And this, this is what I responded. Um, unfortunately, he got the, hey, listen, the biblical view of death is death is an enemy to still be defeated. The sting was taken out, but death will be cast in a lake of fire. I go, you know that passage in John 11 where Jesus gets to Lazarus' tomb and it says he was deeply moved in his spirit? Literally means he was ticked off. He was angry. Now, whether it was angry at death, angry at unbelief, anger, who knows? But I think it was angry at death. Death is something that ticks God off. It involves separation from each other. Separation in the Bible is always bad unless it is separation to God, a.k.a. holiness, which you would know, Pete, if you had gotten to the chapter in uh, Reaching the Unreached. Cha-ching! And, uh, but anyways, the reality is, which, uh, by the way, I'm hoping you picked that. If you really want to get rid of people, pick that book up and read that, Reaching the Unreached, and just tell them, this is a book about evangelism. Can I practice on you? That'll nice. end every conversation you have or result in somebody being saved which is a win either way. So uh, anyways, plus then we'll get to come on the podcast and you can talk about my book. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, so, you know, the idea is, man, it, it really is an enemy to be de- defeated. And I just sometimes I, I don't understand Christians. It, it's like, dude, it's not that please. I'm not worried he's in hell. I'm I'm upset that I'm not going to see him for the rest of my life on earth. Like, can you just respect when well, a brother's grieving? The good news and, is, and let him grieve. The good news is, realistically, you won't be alive much longer. So, I mean, there's that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, dude. You know what's weird is I met him at the age I, I was thinking. Um, I've known him 18 years, and 18 years from now, I'll be the age he was when I met him. Wow. Because he was in his 60s. Wow. And, uh, the, the crazy thing is, man, is that, so when I first got to Lloyd Jones's church, he was there. Um, he had been a world traveler, uh, businessman, consultant, um, very wise, was a Methodist lay preacher. Cause if you know, a lot of people don't know that, um, Lloyd Jones's church was Welsh Calvinistic Methodist. That was the actual name of the denomination. So they, they joined with the Presbyterians in the seventies. But um, 
or sorry, they broke from the Presbyterians, but they were kind of like the Presbyterian branch. They broke in 77 from that. Not that anyone cares about that, but, but the point is he was a Methodist lay preacher and, uh, he was, and I, I put him in church zero chiching at the very beginning. I dedicated part of the book to him and I said, you know, you, you sowed many corrupting seeds into my young mind. And he would always joke around about how he had taken this kind of smug evangelical reformed evangelical boy and, and corrupt him. He was, he wasn't a minister, but I'd go out to dinner um, with he and his wife, you know, Anna and I, we, we, they'd be over at our house. They were like family. And, um, but he would always challenge, he'd go, you know, you ministers, boom, boom, boom. And he would just throw these things out from the Bible. Cause when you sit under Lloyd Jones, you become a theologian. And, um, I don't know, man, he was just, he was amazing. And he was the smartest dude I ever knew. And you remember how, uh, I think I told you once that when I got to, to Wales, I thought I was smart. And then I started meeting people that were really smart. And uh, I remember asking the minister I was serving with, I'm like, so what are you reading? And I was really impressed with what I was reading. Mm. And all I really wanted to do was tell him, hey, here's what I'm reading. And uh, he comes back at me and he's like, well, I'm reading this and that and that. And some of them weren't even in English. He was reading like science fiction books in French. He was tackling some stuff in Latin. And I just started going, kind of like on Dead Poet Society when he goes, you know, people are kicking copies of Byron in my face. And, uh, man, I, I was like, okay. Well, anyways, I watched Lynn Gibbs trounce that dude because that dude was a cessationist. And Lynn just basically, they, they, they said, well, let's have a debate. And, uh, we, we all got together. And my gosh, man, watching, watching British people debate sometimes amazing. But this dude, he just had a mind. And I owe him, I would say, a lot mm. for uh, for the ways in which he corrupted me. So that's a little tribute to him. I miss him. A little bit jacked up, which is kind of why I reached out to you, not for sympathy. No, no, no. no. <laughs> because, because you're not going to get sympathy any of that. Then, that's not why I do it. I feel like when I'm going through that stuff, I got to warn people I'm not okay. Like, I might get mad at stuff right now. I might be just a raging jerk hole. And... You know, I, I, I always feel like it's a disclaimer. Like I'm reaching out to let you know, just, just lost my friend. And, and for me, I got to be alone during those times. And, uh, and, you know, I was on a, a, a Zoom call last night where everybody was like, man, we could, we could tell you're not okay. You know, and I'm trying to hide it. You know, I'm trying to limp on, but there's just a difference, you know, when you're, were they talking about like in general or specifically right now? No, yeah, no, they were talking about specifically. Oh, okay. Because I have a baseline of not normal, and then, <laughs> you know, then I got the extreme. Oh, man, Pete Mitchell's the one friend nobody wants, but everybody needs. But Pete needs, exactly. Dude, I'm telling you, seriously, God could not have paid. Because I got friends that are like, dude, I'm so sorry, man, and that feels Well, good. and it depends on what the situation is. Well, and it, it, yeah, like, dude, if there's ever anything you, wrong with my family. Heck. Yeah, you were going through it with your daughter not that long ago. Yeah, by the way, for everyone who um, was praying, I, I might have mentioned it. But anyways, um, she does have a tumor in her airway, but it's benign. So I wasn't okay leading up to that. I, I did not. I I did a Wind River moment there. <laughs> you was did. Like, I was like, oh, dude, no, not the kids. Because I know what it would be like if 
something happened with my kids. No, it's right. It's right. I got to say, that's a time where it's like sacred ground to you. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember I go, so Pete, because you had had a bad day, and I go, hey, what's going on with you? And you're like, I'm fine. Nothing. Everything's fine. And I'm like, no, dude, what's going on with you? And you're like, after that, I'm not saying anything. Yeah. I'll, I can't. <laughs> you keep asking me what was wrong. And I can't, and I'm like, dude, I can't tell you for like two and a half months when the whole thing's finally done and I will laugh about it because compared to what you were going through and still are, because she still has the tumor, they have to go in and take it out, even though it is benign. I mean, it's like my problems seem pretty stupid, (laughs) like you. Amount the the problems of two people in this world don't amount much to, to much. If I could get it out, come on, Bogey, <laughs> don't amount to much more than a hill of beans. Yeah, I just read the raddest biography of Humphrey Bogart. That dude was a stud. Now, when you say red, do you mean? Red? No, I read it. Read it. Uh-huh. I read it with my eyes. What I read with my ears right now, dude. I I am reading a book right now, and when I mean read, I mean with my ears. <laughs> <laughs> the uh it, it's all on pt barnum a biography on pt barnum oh, that is such read that. it's a great book i want to read that with my ears yeah it's it's good from a marketer standpoint because i really wanted to get into his head of everything that he did and jamie and i watched the greatest showman like i don't know a couple of weeks back and uh which you like musicals i respect that yeah, well, it was on P.T. Barnum. I'm like, dude, I'll, I'll watch a musical. It's on P.T. Barnum, like one of the greatest marketers in history. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah. And, uh, the musical literally like so loosely follows his life. It might as well not even like, don't even say it's about P.T. Barnum. Just say it's a musical about some dude who decided oh, to, funny, dude. to make a museum. Cause it's, it really has like you, you lose. So much of what Barnum did, like one of the, this this is what I dig about America, man, is so many people walk around getting the worldview from movies and TV shows. Yeah. And it's just all fantasy. I mean, well, here, here's, here was a funny thing. So one of the things that I'm just going to share this, I think this is hilarious. One of the things that really put PT Barnum on the map was general Tom thumb, which you see in the movie. He's the little person. He was technically a midget, not a dwarf, which according to the book, there's actually a difference, which I didn't know. There is, yeah. Yeah. They were like, yeah, no, midgets are literally little people and dwarfs, it's uh, a condition. That's why some of their body parts will look out of uh, proportion. But isn't isn't midget, though, I always thought that midget had to do with with, um, a performer. It doesn't. Not not from a medical standpoint, but because I have been warned not to use the term midget. I don't think I don't think because they say no, that's a derogatory term, which it probably which means is. That, huh? It, it's probably considered derogatory. Absolutely. I think it's morphed over time, but yeah. you know, um, you know, uh, to which I usually respond, yes, I understand, but dwarves usually carry axes, so I'm not comfortable with that term either nice it's not it's not right it's not right pete you have to edit that out i i'm not nope never gonna (laughs) happen yeah so um one of the uh one of the things that i really liked about 
about what Tom Thumb did. So Tom Thumb was like this teeny tiny guy. You see him in the movie just briefly, but uh, P.T. <laughs> not in the book. Uh, P.T. Barnum is famous for having said that he, over his lifetime, he he either did 80 million in sales. Uh, I think that's what it was. It was 80 million in sales. And he goes, and 20 million of it was because of Tom Thumb. So he, he always like had a soft spot in his heart for Tom Thumb because he realized he was the one that really started P.T. Barnum and got him the fame. So one of the things that he really? did, yeah, he, he went over. Is that to, who I am to you? Am I your Tom Thumb? No, Pete? no, because no. you're not helping me at all. <laughs> I'm the opposite of it. I'm the guy costing you money, right? So they go over to uh, to England, and they're they're doing some touring over there, and they get this opportunity to perform before the Queen, and so they're they're being told all of the rules: never address the Queen directly, uh, never show the Queen your back. So when you leave, you have to back up, and um. So when the queen asks you something, you need to like direct it to her man and then he's going to tell it to her, even though they're all sitting right there, right? Like all these, these rules. And so, you know, here they are, they're the brash Americans and they come in there and finally they're like, okay, this is stupid. And they just start talking directly to the queen and like That's that funny. everyone in the room's like, oh, 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 you know, and, but the queen was like, <laughs> didn't care. So here's the funniest scene in the book. So finally they're going to leave. And and Tom Thumb is there, right? And and PT Barnum's like, okay, well, I, I need to not show her my back, so I have to to back up to to leave. And so he's he's backing up to leave, and Tom Thumb's doing the same thing, but his legs are so small. All of a sudden, he like turns around, runs to where PT is, and then turns back around and jacks up a few steps, and then like has to turn around and run to where. And so he's doing that the whole way out. And everyone is just in stitches in the room. Oh, my gosh. And I am like, why is this <clears throat> not in the movie? Oh this would gosh, have been the best. And then did, apparently. Does he go before the queen in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. And he talks oh, to the they, queen in the they, movie. They're so dumb for not putting that in. Oh, my gosh. It would have been, you would have thought it was made up. But that's that's what really happened, apparently. And right. so they asked Tom Thumb to sing. And, you know, the the American Revolution is still pretty fresh in their minds. And so he starts singing Yankee Doodle Dandy <laughs> to them. And they're like, yeah, and they're like kind of offended by it. But Tom Tom's like, hey, whatever, you know. And it you was. You know, that happened. That actually happened at the, um, gosh, the 19 or 18, I want to say 96 Olympics, uh, which was the first modern day Olympics. And uh, we didn't have a national anthem at that time. So our national anthem was literally chosen for the modern Olympics. I and did not know the that. first thing, so in all the qualifying uh, matches leading up to it, when we won, they would play um, Yankee Doodle. No and of kidding. Course, Yankee Doodle was a joke tune. And so that's why it was offensive because it was like a bar song. It was like a Yankee doodle went to town. It wasn't, we hear it now, like on the ads for like Veterans Day or 4th of July and it sparks a patriot, but it wasn't. It was a, well, joke it's not like it. America the Beautiful. It is no, Yankee doodle. Put in his hat and called it macaroni. Yeah. I don't even get that. I don't even know what that means. Do we, do they mean like elbow macaroni or do they mean like pasta and I mean, what, what does that mean? I have no macaroni? idea. I do not know. Maybe I, I, it was a derogatory as a way of making fun of Americans. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's actually uh, give a little credit here to our our sponsor. 
Welcome, you are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by... Hi, I'm Scott Blair, Church Planter. If you are anything like I used to be, you probably woke up feeling alone and somewhat isolated today, wondering to yourself, why isn't there just one place that I can go to discuss the things I really care about, like bear attacks, Sir Mix-a-Lot, Game of Thrones, and even Christology? Well, I'm here to tell you such a place now exists. This is not make-believe. I would not joke about a thing like this. Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones have created such a place. No, no, no. It's not heaven. They didn't create that. But it's the next best thing. The Bivo Ministry Inner Circle. And you can find all about the Bivo Inner Circle at BivoInnerCircle.com. Dot com. Dot com. Hey, and by the way, guys, if um, if you have not signed up to my newsletter, it's funny because that made me think of Bible Inner Circle, there's a guy in there named Jay Lee, and Jay is in Toronto. He actually was at the bombing across the street like minutes before. Not the bombing, the uh, the van. I mean, sorry, not the bombing, the car. Yeah, um, in Toronto. So, you know, it, it's been really interesting because he's been doing a series of meetings. He's church planning for a church that, that hired him, but he's going through reaching the unreached. And every week he posts pictures like, hey, here's what we did. Um, boom, boom, boom. And it is so cool, man. Like, cause reaching the unreached teaching is a book about really taking action, um, on things that you think about. So it has to do with evangelism. If I were to lead a cohort for ministers to mobilize their congregations, I would start with the minister and I would say, you first need to change. Don't even worry about mobilizing everyone else. You need to get out there on the front lines then you'll be convincing and aspiring enough to do that. But anyways, um, on that front, I am starting a prototype cohort to go through the book. If you guys want to join me on that, it's only, look, it's it's 50 bucks. I'm not looking to get rich off of it for three weeks. And uh, I know Pete's shaking his head like, dude, should talk to me. But here's the deal. Literally, I'm just doing it as a prototype to to see how it goes. So you'd be helping me out. Um, there is a cost involved with it, but, uh, anyways, for three weeks, we're going to go through that book and there'll be Q and a and all that cool stuff. So if you want to get in on that, go to PeytonJones.ninja, sign up to my newsletter or shoot me an email at newbreedcp at gmail.com and ask me to be included. I got a bad feeling about this. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. So, uh, Mr. Jones, what is yes, today's sir. topic? Today's topic is blessing your city. So, uh, want to talk about blessing as kind of a posture and a stance and what it means, what it doesn't mean, um, how you can, um, ensure that you're doing things in a way that's, that's being done in the way that Christ would do it. And uh, a lot of churches nowadays are there for them. And I, I raise this question, man, I'm just quoting my own books all over the place. Cha-ching's coming out of everywhere. Um, in church zero, cha-ching, I say that this generation is, is when they go to church, if they go to church, they ask a couple questions. And it is, are you out for 
me or are you out for God? Are you out for me or are you out for yourself? And so I would say a lot of churches say they're out for God, but they're out for themselves. They do everything as a what's my ROI on this, you know, yada, yada, yada. And what I would say right now that the world needs to see and will never grow old is when a group of people or an individual is there to bless them with no strings attached. If people cotton on to the fact that you're just here to get me to your church and this is some like, hey, come to my church, hey, yada, yada, yada. You're like you're some kind of pastoral game show host, you know, trying to get everyone's attention and dance on stage so people throw coins at you. Then you've already lost with this generation. This generation's had enough of self-seeking religion and self-seeking religious leaders. They're watching TV. They're watching the guys flying around in their private jets or looking at the the exposés of people with multi-million dollar homes. They're, they're, they're looking at all that and going, huh, yeah, um, I, I see it is what I thought it was. So when they see a church that's literally just there to do the thing the churches ought to do anyways, then it blesses them. So the other morning, I was uh, at Starbucks. And when we went to pay, um, I think our bill was like 12 bucks. We went to pay. The lady in the Starbucks window said, hey, um, your bill was covered by the car in front of you. And we said, oh. And she goes, yeah. And we go, that, that's so cool. Like, why? And she goes, well, the car, it's, it started with the car in front of you. Oh, and my wife had already said, she goes, well, look, pay for the car behind us. Because she was driving. I would never have said that. And uh, she said, uh, pay for the car behind us. And so <laughs> the lady said, well, you know, you're the 15th car in a row to keep it going. And she goes, one lady, her bill was like $3. And she paid she paid for, for somebody who was 12, you know, behind her. Same, same kind of like us. And so... Uh, I, I pulled out of the park. I said to Andrew, I said, you know, I bet you anything a Christian started that. That's, that's a Christian mindset right there. It's not that it had to have been a Christian. It could have been some do-gooder or somebody who was like, hey, you know, hey, karma, you know, be kind to me or whatever. But it's kind of like Jesus said, where your heart is, your treasure is also. Mm. I kind of tend to think that, you know, it, it most likely was a Christian. Um, and when I pulled out, I drove down the street and I looked up and I saw my sitting church, which was right there. And they had a big banner up that said, have a great day. And it just kind of struck me as that was a non-religious message. It wasn't something that they were like, Hey, service times at nine, 11 AM. It, it was literally that they were saying, Hey, it, you know, we just, we want to bless you. Like, that's a type of blessing. I don't think that we realize in our community or even in the church nowadays what it means to bless. So I, I just kind of want to unpack that because I realized that banner was a blessing upon every individual because it, they're right next to the freeway. They're near an on-ramp. They're just on the other side of Beach Boulevard across from a very busy uh, shopping mall. And there's a huge, uh, right down the street from a community college, they are right in the middle 
of just a, a beehive of activity. And just to see that up there is everybody stressed and trying to get on the 405. If you know that freeway, it's a beast. And just to have that, that somebody somewhere just took out of their time to put a sign up and said, have a great day today, which is very non-Orange County. It'd be like seeing a sign like that in New York City. And it just, even though it was just to have a great day today, it was, to me, it was the heart of God because it struck such a, a discordant note in the tune of that society that you had to see God in it. And that, that's what blessing does. It, it literally sent, just like that Starbucks, blessing catches you off guard, you know, and then it, it, it blesses you. You with me? So what you're saying is that blessing blesses you. Blessing blesses you. <laughs> and, uh, God bless you. Know, you. But, <laughs> but it does. It changes the way you feel. It, yeah. it suddenly, and I would say that that actually brings a piece of God to somebody. Mm. I would say that what you experience in that moment, I would say that something divine was happening. Not divine salvation, but something divine. People were getting a sense of the kingdom of God literally just by um, getting that that coffee. Interesting. So what you're saying is we should start paying for people's coffee? Hey, I'm just saying it's grace, right? It's grace. It's undeserved favor. And when people experience that, that's a, that's a type of blessing. That's what grace is. So if you go through where Jesus says, like on your enemies, he says, bless them and do not curse them. And And so here's the reality is that blessing is the kind of thing where you don't have to be deserving. So when you think of it theologically, having a sign up there that says, have a great day, you're, you're asking people that you don't know what they're up to, right? You don't know if they're like, they're drunk drivers or they're sex traffickers or whatever it is, but that is a general blessing. And so Jesus, when he comes in to talk about blessing, he says, God sends the rain on the good and the bad. He blesses both just kind of crazy. Now, there's a special blessing for those that are obedient, but, um, and the Bible talks about that, that there's extra blessings for, for, for people. But then there's also extra grace for us when I'm not behaving as well. So you can constantly see this heart of God towards people to bless them, right? I mean, that, that's what it says. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to bless you and not harm you or bless you and not curse you, plans to prosper you and not harm you. Every time in the scripture where you see God's heart, um, even when he's like, hey, I have to curse you or I have to cut you off or I have to do this to bring you back to me, he always follows it up with promise of blessing because that's God's heart. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And so really what what I'm saying is, you know, as a as a church plan, you know, you, you, how is your church blessing the community? How is your church exhibiting God's heart for that community by doing something? It's just, hey, because God loves you and because it's grace and for no other reason than I want to interrupt the ebb and flow of this culture in my community. We just want to bless you. And I know you've you've at times talked about things that you've seen like that real estate agent where they just did the, um, you know, the, the, the shredding service where they set up that day where 
you know, they're like, Hey, if you got important documents you want to shred, um, we have shredding machines and we could do it. We also have monkeys on the other side that paste it all together and, uh, steal your information. But, you know, you know, they have machines that do that, right? They what? can assemble that. What are you talking about? You, when you shred documents, there are, there are programs that can assemble all that stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you got to get the uh, cross shredder. Oh, really? Yeah. The one that makes it really tiny. And then you burn it. Yeah. Well, that, that would be a good idea. That's what I do with mine. I build bonfires and my neighbors call the police. It's, it's a thing in San Diego. It's a rhythm that we're in. It's, it's my way of, Hey, I blessed you with this huge bonfire and smoke signals. Part Native American apparently. So, you know. I dig it, man. I dig it. So, you know, even, even Pete, like this, this is how hardwired into, um, society this was at the time of Jesus. Like whenever you read in the Bible where they say shalom to each other, um, that literally was a blessing. So like the shalom, um, was the opposite of being anxious. So the, the word in the Greek for anxious means to be pulled apart in different directions, almost like you're drawn and quartered by a horse. Like, you, you know, the, it means to be separated or pulled apart. Whereas the word shalom means wholeness, health, and peace to every part of you. Peace to your mind, peace to your body. And, and the peace is it, it, has to do with being everything being in the right balance because it's it's where it needs to be with God. In other words, um, there's like a it's as life intended as mm-hmm. God intended life to be. So when Jesus says shalom, you know when they're like freaked out and he says shalom or peace, he even says shalom to the storm. That's like a creation ordinance. Whenever you see in creation where God says and then he blessed them saying, where he blessed uh, the animals. He blessed creation. He blessed the sun and the moon. All these things God creates and then he blesses. And that's his intention. That's the intention of his heart. So when you're blessing what you're saying to people and what was happening in that Starbucks and what was happening with that sign was God's heart is for you to have a great day. God's heart for you is to know his grace and his love and an undeserved cup of Starbucks coffee. You don't even got to pay it back. But that's God's heart. Does that make sense? It does. Your thoughts? Oh, my thoughts are. I'm wondering. Uh, I'm wondering if I shouldn't have told that guy that. Yeah, but it's a cat. Maybe I should have just bought his beer. <laughs> no, because we're pretty sure he was hitting on you. So <laughs> well, I, I think that was a good shut. The reason why it made me wonder is because first he said it was his cat, and then later in the conversation it was Steve's cat. And I'm like, who's Steve? And is that what's going on here? (laughs) So, yeah. Sorry, that that was totally off your blessing subject. No, dude, that's rad. I mean, look, there's a time for everything, right? Um, You wouldn't be a soldier fighting a war and be like, hmm, I'm trying to think of how I can bless these people that I'm about, you know. There, there's a time and place. So if, if, if a dude's hitting on you in a bar or you think he is, that's good to shut it down. And <laughs> I don't think honest, he was hitting on me, by the way. I know we don't know that. But, no, no, you know, no. As Jamie would say, I don't even have a whiff of uh, that coming off of me. 
It doesn't matter. You don't know that you're highly desirable. <laughs> hey, Pete, I, I, along those lines, hey, have you ever been in a movie? Oh, stop it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. I, I went there. I shouldn't have gone there. I'm ashamed. Well, I you was know, a film major at Biola. Right what what, what, what are, all the things that Mr. Rogers said? I, I was a film major at Biola University, you know, the foremost uh, evangelical Christian college. Oh, that's so crazy. So, you know, going back to that, um, really, it, it, it has to, you know, when, when we started Pillar, it was funny because we were not looking at, um, I, I just remember at that time, I didn't want to do the church thing. And I didn't want, I was burnt out mm. on the whole, uh, get people come to my church thing. And I didn't give a rip. I was like, look, you know, if we're, if we're here, cause you know, we start out of the Starbucks, as you know, and, um, we're just meeting people where they're at. And I don't want to build the churchy church thing and have that burden of trying to get people to fill it up. So I just remember at one point I was like, Hey guys, you know, cause I didn't want to do a men's study, didn't want to do a youth group and I'd have people you know, they were like, Hey, are we going to do this? No. You know, because I was like, what's the point? Like you went to those for years. What'd they do for you? Did, did they, did they really help you that much? Um, everything that those groups do, uh, we're doing now, like we're doing it in our, in our missional community. We're doing it and we call them cogs. I was like, we're doing all those right now. And, um, but the, the thing that we weren't really doing other than being in Starbucks was we weren't going out and blessing. We met with the mayor and we said to her, Hey, what do you need? And she, one of the things she mentioned, she said, you know, I'm, I'm just, we're, we're out of funding for things like this. But mm. she goes, it falls back on me in the community when I've got a, an elderly woman who is dying of cancer and she doesn't, she doesn't have the money to pay for her hedges to be trimmed. But all the neighbors are, are complaining to the council that, look, this house is an eyesore. And she goes, I'm just one woman. You know, I'm one councilwoman um, for this city or this borough because there's a huge city and they divide it. So it's like a local mayor. And she goes, I just, she goes, I mean, my husband sometimes will go out there, you know, when my back's up against a wall. But she goes, she goes, you know, you're the first church that, that's ever asked me you know, what we can do. Where to was help. this? This is in Wales. Yeah. And say, said, that's not an American thing. <laughs> no, she said, you know, she said, I've always been asked like, Hey, can you put our church thing in your newsletter that you send out? She goes, everybody's asked what I can do for their church. She goes, nobody's ever asked me, what can the church do for mm. me or for the city? Yeah. And it was a game changer. Like literally, I, I remember having this talk with her on, on the phone. And she goes, why don't you come out of my house? And so me and me and my team, we, we were sitting in her living room having this chat with her. And she works, you know, she's in the mayor's office, man. Like that was, I just remember sitting there. I hadn't read any books on this. I hadn't, it was just something that I felt. And, and funny enough, it was, I was reading one morning where um, Jesus says that, um, you know, when, when you throw a banquet, don't, don't throw it for those that can repay you. You know, the, uh, yeah. the, you know, he says, do it for the, the poor, the, the crippled, the blind and the lame and your father who sees in heaven will bless you. And so I kind of took the team aside and said, look, guys, uh, we're not doing this to get people to come to the church. So you just, you just make sure when, when you're having conversations with people, whether it's 
that individual in that house that we want nothing back from them, like literally nothing, no pressure. They're in a bad situation. We want to bless them. This is God's love to them. And that, you know, if anything, just know God loves you. And this is, this is what grace is. It's just him giving and he's given so much to us. He's forgiven us. If you want to have those conversations? Great. Make it about God. Do not make it about the church. And it not only did it feel good. And to be honest, nobody I, that I know of ever came to the church through that. Um, but what I can tell you is that our reputation in that community, because it was, it was a poor community and our reputation in that community started going around. We literally hired a, um, like a bobcat and there was a single mom. Um, I can't remember what the deal was, but she had a backyard that was all mud and dirt. And the councilwoman, she'd always come to us with these things. She'd be like, Hey, I got this or I got that. Um, and she was like, Hey, uh, you know, that she's got two young kids, but you know, they, they run out and they're all muddy and yada, yada, yada. And we're like, cool. I had some, some roughnecks. I said, Hey guys, can you drive a, a, a first we went down and looked at it. They're like, Oh, I was going to need a bobcat. And these guys are rough workers. And we just went down on a Saturday and leveled it all out. We didn't put the turf down. We said, Hey, you know, you're going to have to get someone to, to come out here and put the turf down. But we did one day's hard labor for that woman. And, you know, and, and we didn't, we didn't talk about, it. we didn't post on social media. We, that was between us and that lady and God. And that was it. But when Jesus says the father who sees you, what you've done in secret will himself reward you. That whole deal. I just think we were rewarded. I think we felt God's grace and blessing coming through us. That was the, but I don't know on the other side of heaven, how the, the divine economy works that out and how repayment. All I know is that it changed us and in changing us, it changed everything about how we did church, how we thought about church. The church wasn't the object. And I think when the church becomes the object, and not blessing the people around you. And I don't mean do gooding. I mean literally grace. That you're exhibiting and embodying the grace that you're going to preach. Because you've got to preach. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned this. Because I'm, I'm about ready to throw a church under the bus. But I mean it with the best intentions. Um, <laughs> so my, uh, my, my daughter's in preschool. And she goes to the same preschool that my son went to. And uh, the interesting thing is it is a, a church that has a preschool and that's how they, you know, make their, their, a big part of their income is because they've got this preschool. And they also say, I think someone said it's their way of reaching the community and it might very well in fact be, uh, which is awesome. Fantastic. You know, you and I are big fans of making money and reaching the community at the same time, whenever possible. I mean, that's cool. But here's the thing, man. It is in a uh, rental community. Like all around them on every side are apartment complexes. And the street is packed with cars. You cannot find a parking spot on the street. And they have this huge parking lot that is empty and has a big sign that says church parking only. And all I can think of every time I pull in is... What is this saying to the community? 
There's us and then there's you. And unless you're one of us, you can't use these parking spots. And I'm like, if you really wanted to reach this community, take Peyton's idea of the permit, right? We'll give you a free permit. You got to give us your contact info so that we've got it. And, you know, you probably have some rules like you can't just park it here for we're not a storage facility. Mm. <laughs> we're not here to, to store your vehicle. But um, but you could totally bless that community where there's no parking. Right. And then the other thing that just kills me is it's right by one of the big city parks. And every uh, Easter, every Halloween, there's big events at this park for the whole community and there is never anywhere to park when you go. Like I'm usually parking really far away after I've dropped off the family and then I got to mm. walk in. And I'm like, how cool would it be if you just had a big sign that said, you know, event parking here free and didn't mm-hmm. make a permit, nothing, just, you know, use this. And, right. and, you know, if you're worried about, oh, we've got a preschool or whatever, then you just say, hey, you know what? Uh, our spaces that are green, these are blocked off and you, you can't park there. Um, we, we need those for parents when they're coming and going and picking up their kids or whatnot. But I mean, like you could, you could reach out to the community and bless that community by doing something as simple as that. And right. how big of an impact would that make? Even if you made it like $5 and, you know, then when people came through, you told them, Hey, no charge today. God bless you. What would that do? You or know? you mean for like, like, uh, for the event parking? The event stuff? parking. Yeah. Like you just, but you, you let people know that, Hey, you know, like, you know, it would be rad to say the person paid in front of you for you. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I think, teasing. honestly, to me, I don't know that I would look positively on a church. It's like charging for parking. No, that's what I'm saying, though. That's what I'm saying. But like even it's saying, exactly oh, we're waving it. I, to me, that just would be, I don't know, it wouldn't sit right with me. No, no, I agree. I think I think that's the better idea. But, the, the, but you the could totally point. bless the community that way. Like what a that's huge I, impact that would have. And that's it is being able to actually say, Hey guys, you know, we're, we're here to bless you. We're here to, um, you know, to, to just let you know, like exactly the, the, yeah. I don't know why I'm even talking. I don't know either. Yeah. Cause it's what I do. (laughs) But, um, you know, I had forgotten about, you mentioned the, um, the, the church that was the, cause they had all the church parking only, you know, and I went to preach there and they, they asked me to consult with them and I said, Hey, you know, I've just, yeah, but they didn't do it. Like didn't do it. They, and I, I don't know if it's like one of the sacred cows in the church. Cause I bet you it is. I bet you it's like, well, I don't like having to fight for my parking and I don't want well, these Well, what people. they did is they said, Oh, well, you know, our insurances and if someone gets hurt there, you know what? That's, you can always find it. Okay, first of all, that's a load of crap. Of course it is. Do you think there's any difference because you let people who don't come to your church park there? Right. I mean, literally, that's a load of crap. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because that – but that's it. Being seen as the one in the community. The other thing I told them to do was to um, – they, they sold off part of their land and they had a big, giant um, apartment complex put in there. And I said, guys – Welcome cards. And it's funny because I was talking to them not long ago and I mentioned again, I said, you know, it's never too late to do that. You know, it's not yeah. like now that everyone's in there, you, oh, well, that ship sailed. No, why don't you do it now? You know, hey, 
you know, we. My dad was a pastor of a church in a, a city called Pacifica, which is in, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And they, um, this particular church was on a hill and it uh, overlooked a big part of Pacifica and the ocean. It was actually a really gorgeous spot, unbelievable spot. It's just always foggy there. So it's not like you always had like a good, cool view or whatever. But it had this huge parking lot. It wasn't a rental community at that time. I have no idea if it is today. Um, but one of the things, and I was talking to my my parents about, you know, the whole parking thing at that one church, uh, the the preschool church. And my mom was like, yeah, well, that's why your dad always tried to leave the the parking open at our church, you know, because they wanted people to to come there. And, you know, if you want to look at the view, whatever. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know that's what they did. And if you had the money for it, what would have been really cool, because like they owned a big chunk of this land and the parking lot didn't take up the whole thing. There was a lot of just, you know, dirt and weeds and whatnot. You could actually build out a cool little park. And now you've got the community park right there on your property. Right. And you could, you know, reach the community that way. You're blessing the community, give them this cool little outlook. Now, unfortunately, after my, uh, my dad left that church, they eventually got this uh, fundamentalist pastor who like took them out of the uh, the uh, denomination they were with, and now it's one of those you know if you don't have the seventeen hundred version of the King James, it's not a real Bible, and you know that's what the world needs now some good King James reading. And they've got a big chain in front of the parking lot; they won't let anyone in. And I'm like, yeah, okay, not exactly reaching the community. You just got a property that you can meet in, and. You know, you think that's really cool. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, when we were in downtown Long Beach, there was a, a church property that came up. And uh, I think you might have looked at it with me. Um, but it, it had bars all around. Yeah. It. Yeah. You know, it was just, I mean, those metal gates, bars on everything. It it looked like a prison or a public utility building. You know how they try to keep yeah. homeless out of there? It's terrible. And I was like, man, you know, the other day I go to my sending church and I'm going there for this C.S. Lewis thing. And when I get there, they've got like, you know, tons of people come to this. This guy's like a, uh, one of the few people that can perform this C.S. Lewis. And as I look at, you know, on the outside the building where the exit is, there's a um, homeless guy on the ground and he's sleeping. And um, he's sleeping up against the wall. And um, it's just kind of trippy because, you know, he is. No one's asked him to move. You know, he obviously spent the night there. And I was really blessed by that. OK, this is a little creepy. You know, if my wife and kids were sure, of course. You know, walking through without him there. But um, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was a blessing. I was like, man, I'm so glad that guy's there. And they're not like, hey, man, we got this big event for Christians going on here. It was like, hey, man, you need a place to sleep it off? That's fine. You know, people well, walk around. You I think what in. a lot of pastors can do, and we've talked about this with some of the guys over the years in both Jump School and Bible Inner Circle. And that is, you know, as a church, as a pastor, take stock of what your real assets are. Because a lot of times we don't even realize the assets that we have. Like a parking lot is an asset. A building, if you've got one, is an asset. 
what are other ways that you can utilize that asset to benefit the community, um, create an income stream for the church if the uh, church needs it? I mean, we talked about that with a guy in uh, New York. I think he he was in New York and he was going through jump school and, you know, um, we were like, hey, you got a big auditorium? Man, dude, you could easily turn that into money because there's plenty of uh, right. groups, businesses like mine that need places to hold many meetings and conferences and whatnot. Now you've got an income stream for the church and, and you're reaching that community. You're bringing them into your building, which yeah. is sometimes like the, you know, the third rail. Oh, I don't want to go in a church. You know, God might yeah. strike me down kind of a thing. So here's the other thing is advocacy. You can be an advocate for groups that have nobody. So for example, um, I have a daughter with special needs. Um, my, my, and my daughter's best friend has, um, cystic fibrosis. So mm. the reality is like, if, if you've ever known anybody who has a child with a disease like that, um, every penny they have, they will fundraise. It all goes towards research. They don't want to spend a penny on anything else. So renting places, you know, like they have, they're dependent on like one of the things that they do is they go to Applebee's. And Applebee's donates their restaurant for like a number of hours, you know, once a year to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation in San Diego. And um, and so my friends do this thing. They host it. They organize it. They put it on for their daughter. And everybody, hundreds of people come, tons of people from the school, friends, family, pour into this place. And we all eat Applebee's even though none of us like it. Although I like Applebee's now, even though I don't like their food. It, it's made me feel about Applebee's like you guys are awesome. I now, I, I have always wondered when's Applebee's going to die. Probably never as long as there's college campuses all over America, but I, I, I want them to do well. I want to see them thrive now because I'm like, you help someone I love. You gave, uh, from the community. You didn't just take. And it's like, you know what? I, I got all the time in the world for you now. Well, imagine if the church, did that. So Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Imagine you said, hey, Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, we want all imagine you posited yourself to go towards any of these cerebral palsy. Um, you know, you, you approach some of these groups that have no advocate except for themselves. And you say, Hey guys, we have this building. Um, we know you're not spending any money on overhead. If you need a place to meet, guys, you come meet here. Our doors are wide open to you and we'll, we'll absorb the cost of that. Don't worry about it. We'll pay the, the electricity, utilities. Just let us be a blessing to you. We appreciate what you're doing. If we can help you in any way, if we can rally behind it, you adopt somebody like that. I'm telling you, you're gonna, you're gonna see it. it, it you're gonna see people, um, pouring through your doors yep. because you're preaching grace before they've ever heard you're preaching. Yep. Big time, big time, man. Especially with uh, this millennial generation of wanting to give back to uh, you know the community, the nonprofit stuff like that. So if you lead with that, you're going to reach people that literally no one else is reaching. Absolutely, and and imagine you know you're sitting down at the table and you're a millennial and your little sister has cystic fibrosis and your mom is saying, hey, "Can you believe that this guy called me up from this church and he." He said, Hey, we just want to let you use it free. Whenever you need it, it's here for you. We love you guys. And sorry to hear what, you, what you're going through and, um, you know, want to, want to help you and be a blessing to you. No strings attached. Just when you guys need a place to meet, um, you shouldn't have to pay for it. 
Come, come meet here. Boom. And you know that millennial is going to be sitting there going, wow, it's kind of different. Those guys yeah. sound cool. So where do you think that family is going to go when they have problems? Exactly. Right? I don't mean on a Sunday morning. I mean, they're going to pick up the phone and say, hey, do you guys do counseling? Yeah. Our family's going through a rough time. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just, you're not expecting that in return. That's the whole point of blessing, having that attitude of blessing. And guys, on a personal level, what if you said, hey, I'm going to bless one person a day in my life. I'm going to bless one person. I don't care what it is. Maybe you are that guy that kicks off the Starbucks line. You know, maybe you're the person that, that buys a homeless dude some food. It would start changing you. God, it says, and the Father himself will bless you. And Jesus says, do the stuff not seeking any. Go after the poor, the, the lame, the blind, the crippled. And he says, and your Father himself will reward you. So I'm just saying, if Jesus said that, it's something worth putting into practice. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, hey, with, you know, Pete, with all that um, blessing and all that you're doing, um, you really don't have time to do the church finances. Nor do I enjoy doing the church finances. Well, that's good because there is someone out there, Pete, who can help you out. And they're known as Simplify Church. And you can find them at SimplifyChurch.com. They'll do your accounting, bookkeeping, and keep you compliant with the IRS for a low monthly price that they offer to church planners. I like it. Where can I find out more again? SimplifyChurch.com. And by the way, Pete, they also just rolled out a new giving portal. You know, we used to advertise MoGive, and I'm just saying, Simplify Church now does that too. What? Oh, yeah. So head on down to SimplifyChurch.com and tell them that Peyton and Pete sent you. Well, you've been listening to the Church Planner Podcast. This has been Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones reminding you, if you want to reach ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I made my money the old-fashioned way. I got run over by a Lexus. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.